not be a Sunday I would have chose to come here, but hey, you're here, so let's stand and let's read um, out of God's Word of Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. The words of the Father uh, spoken by the Son here to the disciples. We know they're disciples. It says that in Matthew chapter 5. And so to the followers of Jesus Christ, this is what he has to say. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. And it's like, is that even fathomable? And they do it that they might have glory from among men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And Father, this morning, we just need you to bless. Lord, we need to bring need you to fill us with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and understanding here. That we could know your will, know your heart for your kids. So Lord, bless, please, our time here. In Jesus' name. You can be seated. Last time we were in Matthew, we looked at six examples that Jesus used to tell his disciples that the scribes and the Pharisees, the leading religious leaders of the day, had it all wrong. And one of the reasons that Jesus did that is so that the common people, like you and me, would be able to know they were being misled. Because here's what we need to understand. Nobody had a Bible back then. All they had was the scribes, the Pharisees, and the Sadducee ones telling them what God had said. And all three of those groups had the system so corrupted by the time Jesus comes on the scene, he seeks to teach truth so the common people of the day would know what is honoring to his father. Because after all, that's what this is all about now that you're a disciple. No longer living for you. No, it's living for your new master, and that new master is Jesus Christ. Christ. Now, before we get too far in this, if you're new or visiting with us, I'm sorry you're here today. Some of you may be going, what? No, listen. But obviously, the Lord has you here for a reason. So that's my disclaimer number one. We, we have never in the history of this church, except for one time about a month ago, for a pastor's family overseas taken an offering here. We just don't, we, it's just not who we are. We don't mention a box in the hallway. We don't pass a plate. We just, we just don't do that. Not that there's anything wrong with those who do. There's not. We just don't. Disclaimer number two, or three, is the Lord has been speaking to my heart about sliding past, past passages in the Bible, because we've taught all the way through it. We're on our second time through. And he's been speaking to me about sliding past those passages in regards to to giving, and I am totally guilty as charged. I went back and looked at this passage the first time I taught this. I didn't even mention it. All I talked about was, hey, 
don't let anybody know what you're doing, blah, 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 nothing about giving. And yet the very passage centers around, if you look at verse 2 and 3, it says, when you give. It centers around giving. So I wasn't really being, I wasn't really, look, I haven't been honest to the topic of giving like I am to the rest of the topics in the Bible. And so for that, I'm growing. Please forgive me. However, that's old. We're going to make up for some lost time today because the Lord has been speaking to me over and over out of 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I'd like for us to go there and take a look at it because I know that passage. I have that, that passage is memorized in my heart. But here's what the Lord's been speaking to me. Second, Second Timothy chapter 3. We'll come right back to Matthew. But know this. And we know it. But see, I know it intellectually. I've always known what's here. But God wants you and I to own this. And I own it now. But know this. In the last days, perilous times will come. They will affect the church, and those perilous times will be in the church, for men will be lovers of money, or lovers of themselves, lovers of money. And you can read the rest of this later. It goes all the way through, all the way through the end of chapter 4. But here's what the Lord spoke to me. By glossing over these passages, Bruce, you have been allowing my people, and you've been helping my people become lovers of money. And man, when he spoke that to me, it was like a giant 4 by 4 got jammed in my heart. Man, I was busted. But not anymore. And like I said, we're going to make up for some lost ground today on the topic of giving. In these first four verses, Jesus takes on the hypocrites of his day on how they give. But they give. For religious leaders of Jesus' day had turned giving to God into like a game or a, or a performance or a, a concert of giving. And there's a lot of that nonsense in Jesus' house today. Verse 1, message entitled, Giving God's Way. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men. This is so simple, first grade re reading level, to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Man, is there anything complicated in trying to understand what Jesus is speaking to us there? No, very simple. Please remember, church, this is the heart of our Father in heaven. Jesus says he says nothing unless his Father speaks to him. So when Jesus addresses this topic, it's the Father's heart for us as kids. So when Jesus says to the hypocrites, make sure you do not do your giving to my Father in any way that brings attention to you. That is as simple as it gets. I hope we all understand that. That should be really simple. Well, then why are there gold plaques in churches that say, this building was made possible by the generosity of Michael James Henderson III? You're going, really? He's a third? No. He's Michael James Henderson. He has all girls. It's impossible for him to have a Michael James Henderson. Others post what people give each year publicly. I was in a church, and the people were giving pledges. They were called up front, and at that point, they did something. I just kind of shut down. I thought, what are they doing here? What about in secret? What comes to your mind when you hear the words, 
car alarm going off or house alarm going off? Don't, don't they go off to draw attention to themselves? So how do you take the idea of golden brass plaques at the zoos, parks, stadiums, colleges, hospitals, schools, and tie them now into verse 1? Well, you can't. But, you know, that's the world. Here Jesus is speaking to his disciples in God's house. Okay, then, so how do you take that same worldly thinking and incorporate that into the church today? You can't. But they do. And yet this is so clear. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. I think that includes a plaque on the wall. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. It's like, hey, I hope you like that plaque, Michael James Henry III. I hope you like that ribbon-cutting ceremony because that's all that's going to be awaiting you in heaven right there on that earth. And I hope we can see God's heart here. He wants heaven to be way more than just what you experience on this earth. He, he desires heaven to be the most mind-blowing experience for all of eternity for us, his kids. He doesn't want any of us to slide into heaven with a smoking robe. What are you talking about? Go read 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians 3. Our works are tried through fire by the fire, and it says some will get in with nothing but escaping the very fire itself. See, our Father in heaven wants us to step into heaven with treasure and crowns awaiting us. But you know what? It's up to you today as to what you do, as to what you get when you get there. Salvation, it's free. But what you send ahead, that's dependent upon you. Now, the downfall of not heeding the direction of Jesus in this section is nothing will be sent ahead. It'll all be burnt up. God doesn't want that for you. I don't want that for you. The downfall of not living life by verse 1 would be if you knew who gave what, you would treat people differently. At least I would if I knew who gave what. Ever since 1990 when I was a pastor, I have no idea whatever, whoever gave what anywhere. They try and get, when I was in Santa Barbara, they'd try and get me to count. Hey, come in and help us count. I'm not counting no offerings. Oh, no, you can just be in the room. We got to have three people. I'm not, I am not, I'm not even stepping in that room because I know my own flesh. I will treat people differently if somehow a check falls down and I'm no staring at it. I, I don't want to know. I don't even want to, I, I just don't even trust myself. Plus, all of a sudden, what if you find out, well, this is how much people are given, and then all of a sudden they're not here, and then all of a sudden, oh, you're freaking out because they're not there, and you're trusting man rather than trusting God. I don't want to know. So I stay away from all incoming. I don't mind spending it, but I stay away from all incoming. Verse 2, therefore, not to be seen by men, therefore, when you do a charitable deed. We're going to pause here. This does not read, therefore, if you give. This is why I say I'm sorry if you're visiting with us because uh, this just happens to be where we are. But this is what it says. I looked in every translation that I own. They all say when, not if. Just like in verse 3, look down. But when. Verse 6, when you pray. Oh, sorry, verse 5. Verse 6, but when you pray. 5 and 6. Verse 7, when you pray. 
Skip down to verse 17. When you fast. What? You're going to talk to us about fasting? Yeah, I am. Not today. Because Jesus is talking to us. I mean, anyone see a pattern that Jesus is putting out in his first recorded message to his disciples here? When, 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 when? So it's a given from our Father in heaven as the Son speaks his words to his disciples that giving, praying, and fasting must be on the top three list of activities as followers of our Lord Jesus Christ. So how are you doing? I don't know. I can only answer for myself. But this is the first thing, you know, and remember all of this flows out of Matthew chapter 5. Remember, blessed are the first foreign spirit. Lord, I don't have what it takes. But Lord, I know you do. And that's where I live my Christianity out of. That's what brings salvation. Lord, I don't have what it takes. And you turn to Jesus and he comes in our hearts and he forgives us all of our sins and he becomes the Lord of our life. And then we stay in that place. Lord, I don't know what to do here. And you look up and you stay as a little child and he guides us through life. But on those top three list of activities of a follower of Christ, giving, praying, and fasting. Listen to Matthew chapter 9, 15. Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? That's Jesus. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. That's us. Then they will, hey, we're Americans, man, three square meals a day. Okay, I don't care what you do. But I'm just telling you, this is what Jesus says. We'll get there next week. Hopefully not. Hopefully we'll be in heaven. But giving, praying, and fasting need to be a part of a healthy believer's diet. Statistically, and I don't know how they get this information, but I believe it's true. They say 10% of the people in any given church give 90% of the money. I hope it's way higher here. That's what they told me in Santa Barbara. That's, that's how it is all across the United States. I hope, that's, I hope that's not true here. Because, team, Jesus has removed all wiggle room here by saying, but when, not if. Also, to kind of dispel all myths, we're not talking about giving of your time here. We should do that. Jesus has already said that the greatest in the kingdom is a servant of all. And we do those things because we don't want to draw attention to ourselves. But Jesus is clearly talking about monetary here. And, and, and just to be like super clear here, until someone shows me in the Bible, the, the super religious words that I've only heard here in Texas, where I was trying to remember where I heard it, I can't remember, but I know I heard it out here, it is, well, I'm just tithing my time, brother. Um, brother, that's not biblical. I guess you could tithe your time as long as you're, you're not saying I'm tithing my time but not tithing my money. No, that just means you're in love with your money and you're tithing your time. And until someone shows me that that's actually like biblical, I don't even know how we can say that. But people say it in the church out here. Let's finish verse 2 and you'll see Jesus is clearly talking about monetary giving here. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, when? Do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue or in the church building. That's the context here. And in the streets, as you're on your way there, that's mind-blowing to me. 
that they may have glory from men. Surely I say to you, they have their rewards. I mean, can you imagine someone blowing the trumpet in front of you on the way to the offering box? I'm on my way to the offering box in the hallway. Everyone notice me. I, I can't even fathom that. But these guys, I know these guys. I've read the Gospels many times. They did this. But then Jesus points out something. He said it. You read commentaries, so, well, you know, we don't really know. Hey, Jesus said it. And in the streets. So they're in the streets, heading to the synagogue. You know, Pharisee so-and-so is on his way to the temple to give his big offering. That's mind-blowing to me. Not really. Because it happens in the church today. Oh, I'm giving. Look at me. Get the band out. Taking my big contribution. It's a farce. And yet, it goes on today in God's houses all around the world. Literally, I've seen it happen in a lot of places around the world. It happens here. Verse 1 and 2 is warning. Verse 3 and 4 is how to be blessed. It's almost kind of like an open book test. It's kind of really the only ones I could pass because I never studied in school. Jesus is saying, look, this is how you'll be graded. Do verses 3 and 4, you'll be blessed. Do 1 and 2, you'll be bummed out. Oh, well, I like being bummed out, Pastor. No, you don't. Verse 3, but when, not if. Tell your neighbor, when, not if. That's what it says. We, we have to deal with it here. But when you do a charitable deed, and this is why it's, we're talking monetarily here, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. The idea is hide your giving even from yourself that your charitable deed may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Anything complicated about that? No. The context, again, is giving, not doing something. If you have a, a hammer in your right hand, your left hand better know where that hammer is or you're going to smash it. But the passage said, hey, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. It's not, a, it's not works. It's giving. Because if I got a hammer in my hand and, and this hand doesn't know where this hand is, man, I'm going to smack it. So it's not works. It's giving. And, and it's Jesus receiving. When tempted to show off in giving, hide it from yourself. I mean, why do you want to draw attention to yourself on this earth, which is but a vapor, when you can give in secret, not make a big deal about it, and have a fortune in heaven? You know, and honestly, I never think about it. I don't. I don't think about, well, I'm doing this thing, I'm going to get treasure in heaven, and I'm giving this, and I'm going to get treasure. I don't, it's just, a, it, for me, it's just a part of me. I hope it's just a part of you. It's just a part of our lives. Jesus says it's more blessed to give than receive. We, we, we've received so much, we should be the most blessed people. You know, we had this lady in Santa Barbara week after week, she would always write her offering check as the offering was being taken. They're, they passed a bag there. And I don't know if it was on purpose or on accident, but she was the slowest check writer on the planet. She sat middle row, three rows from the back, right on the aisle, and the offering would be being taken, and an usher would stand right there because she's got the bag. You know, it's like, don't ever leave a bag. So he's standing there. She's writing her check, Everybody knows what's going on. Every, the offering's done. He's still standing there. And I don't know if she did it on purpose. That's not my thing to judge. But it was obvious she was doing something. 
So then they put boxes in the back, I'm sure to alleviate the problem. It's like, okay, ma'am, hand me the bag. You can put it in the box now. See, we got a box right there. Hand me the bag. And that kind of solved the problem. But I don't know if she is doing it to be seen by man. What a bummer, man. Six times in this chapter, Jesus uses the word secret. Three times, Jesus says, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, that should excite you three times over here. Watch yourselves when you give. Guard your hearts that you don't give to be seen by men. And then watch what God does. Now, before we move on to the next topic of prayer, I want us to look at what the Bible has to say about giving monetarily. And this is my own sin because I skipped all these passages. We already know in the last days, people will be in love with their money. We also just saw that as disciples of Jesus Christ, we saw the Father's heart for his kids, that when you give, verse 3, and when you give, verse, or verse 2, and when you give, verse 3. So what else does the Bible have to say about giving? More than we have time for. I'm, I'm sure we could do a four-part study on, the, on giving. We're not going to do that. Trust me. This is it. But the Bible actually has quite a bit to say about it. First stop, Genesis chapter 4. First book in the Bible. Easiest one to find today. The first place we see giving and God receiving is in Genesis 4. God is given. God is given. Man sins. God creates garments to skin. Kills innocent animals. Clothes Adam and Eve. God is giving. God is giving. Genesis chapter 4 is the very first place we see gifts being offered to the Lord God. Look at verse 3. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock of their fat and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But why? Ah, simple answer. Bible scholars want to make this really complicated, simple answer. Leaving Genesis, head to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4 for a simple answer as to why did God receive Abel's offering and not Cain's? Real simple. Hebrews, James, 1st, 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, Revelation. All the way to the end. Hebrews 11, 4. Got it? By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. Okay, we're still talking about it. So God accepted Abel's offering because Abel offered to God by faith. Takes faith to give to, faith in God to give. Faith is always in someone or something else. I'm not even going to give the Pentecostals any uh, say here. It has nothing to do with your faith in you. Boy, that would scare me. Or discover the champion in you. That would even make me scarier. When, when I look inside, I find a loser. So, you know, I don't even understand how that principle works in, the, in the, that side of the church. But I do know faith is always in someone or something else. Faith is always in God. When you drive home, you have faith in the other guy who's going to stay in his lane. You don't have faith. You're not driving home, oh, yeah, keep that guy in the other car. Keep, keep him in the other lane. Keep him in the other lane. Keep... No, that's ridiculous. You have faith in the other person. 
It's universal. It's an absolute that governs the universe. Faith is always in someone or something else. It is never in you. So it takes faith in God as an act of worship that he might receive my offering that I put in the box in the hall just like Abel did. Takes faith. Without it, it's impossible to please the Lord. Next stop, the uh, Italian prophet, last book in the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, or as as, uh, uh, the oldest joke on the planet, it's Malachi. I'll get to it, Barry. Just let me give me a chance, everybody. It's the oldest joke in the teaching circuit, if there is such a thing. Last book of the Old Testament. God calls out his people to take a journey of faith with him. He literally challenges them to test his words to them. 37 times in the Bible, the word test shows up. Great word study if you want to do it tonight. Go home, type in, fire up your Bible program, type in the word test. Look at, look at all the places it says that. It might be a little surprise. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Again, you can go back and read all these in context because this goes on and on and on. I'm just, we're, for sake of time, will a man rob God? I mean, how is that even possible? And yet God says, yet you have robbed me, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. That's the context. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Again, how's that possible? But from God's perspective, it is. Even this whole nation has robbed me. Bring all. Apparently, they weren't bringing all. They are bringing some. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, and here's why, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. But you know, but that takes faith in God's word here to act. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, always running on empty. The Lord says, I will stop that so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord God of hosts. But it takes faith in God at his word here. Please notice the promises from God when you obey here. I will open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. But that takes faith, not coveting. Hey, if you plant this, no, that's coveting. I'm going to do this because I'm going to get something. No, that's coveting. Here it takes faith. It takes faith. And this I know. God will never, ever be a debtor to any man, ever, ever. You can never outgive God, ever. But it takes faith in my Lord to give to him. Now, I know some of you, I, I hope we've all grown a little since then, but some of you will come up and push tithing and say, you should have just told him to tithe. I'm not going to do that. And please, don't come up and tell me that. Okay, if you do, I'm going to walk away. If, if someone comes up to me and says, hey, pastor, you should have just told him to tithe, I'm going to literally walk away from you. I'm not even going to say a word. I'm not going to do that. Because, see, I don't care what you do. If you want to tithe, great. But know this. We're not hanging anything on the people of Calvary Chapel of Woodlands other than what Jesus is saying here, which is when you give. Because that's what he said. 
So this is for you tithers. It's a quote from David Guzik. If we give a tithe, that is 10% of your income or assets to God, it isn't as if you, it isn't as if the remaining 90% is ours to do with as you please. It all belongs to God, but he allows us to directly manage the remaining 90%. I'm down on that. That's you. What we all need to understand here is, is the so-called tithe that was given, that's in the law, well, that's not the first place it shows up. The tithe was given 600 years before the law of God was given to Moses. So biblically, if you want to look at it, you go back into Genesis and you go, whoa, the tithe doesn't even, it's, it's with Abraham and his dealing with Mechelzdek of Salem, who many believe is an Old Testament picture of Jesus. Here's what it says. And, I, and Abe gave him a tithe of all the spoils from the battle he had just won. Hebrews 7 talks about the same account. That's way before the law was given. Jesus spoke about tithing in the New Testament in this one place. I'm just going to read it to you. This is for you tithers. But don't hang your tithing on us. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs, and you pass by justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. So he speaks favorably of it right there. So that's all for the 10% crowd in the church. But I don't believe the New Testament teaches that. I, we can agree to disagree with the, you. If you're the tither, please don't come up and tell me what I should have done. I, I, I just want to do what Jesus says here. See, Jesus teaches over and over again, giving, not tithing. But still, if tithing is your thing, it's always a great place to start. But we just saw Jesus say, but when you give. Now, here's the thing we need to understand about the passage in Malachi. Minus the topic of the tithe, and we can debate whether or not that's valid today. If we remove just that topic, everything else here is valid. Those are spiritual principles that govern the universe. Those principles that are left there in the Old Testament are just as valid in the New Testament. Because see, the God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. So let me show you where it says that. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is our next stop. And you can reference both of these places. You can go back. There are some incredible promises there in Malachi. It's almost like a word picture and here's the theology for the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 9, as we look at what the Bible has to say about when we give. The context is giving, just like Jesus declared to his disciples, Matthew chapter 6. When you give, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. But this I say, and again, I'm, I'm only looking at one thing. This whole section is about giving. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. I mean, is that not what we just saw in Malachi? It is. I'll remind you, you're cursed with a curse for you robbed me. Why? Because they sowed sparingly. Let's say you got a brand new house. You go, no, that, that sod is too expensive. I'm going to put down seed. So you go out there and you got a, you know, a cup of seed. And then you wake up two weeks later and go, hey, how come I don't have any lawn? 
I can tell you why. You only put out one cup of seed. You sowed sparingly. I mean, it's, there's no secret here. Whatever you sow, that's what, that's what you reap. And so this passage here matches what's in Malachi. Whereas those who sold bountifully in Malachi, God's promise to them is to open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. That is definitely reaping bountifully. But you know what? The devil doesn't want you to know that. See, the devil's lie is be a lover of your money. After all, you worked hard for it. It's all yours. But see, in doing so, you'll always sow sparingly and you will always reap. Sparingly. And that's not God's heart. I mean, that's not the heart of God for you on this earth, nor is it the heart of God for you as you step into eternity in, in eternity in heaven. He wants you to send it ahead. But it is the devil's heart for you if he has one. He wants to rip you off now, and he wants to hinder you from receiving God's best when you step into eternity for all of eternity. There's a great picture of this. I'm not going to read it. Read it. You can go back. It's Haggai. It's another minor prophet. It's right towards the end of the Old Testament. The Jews were coming back into the land. They're being brought back uh, during the reign of uh, the king of Persia. Babylon's been booted out from power. And they're coming back, and they are devoting all their time in building their own houses rather than God's house. And God calls them on it and busts them on it. And here's what he says. Consider your ways. You've sown much, meaning, you know, they're farmers, but you bring in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages, listen, to put into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Well, how did that happen? Simply. They were in love with themselves and their money, and they couldn't get ahead financially because they were focusing on themselves and the building of their own house. And so the Lord interrupts their lives and intervenes here, and he beheld back the blessings of God from them until they lined up their ways with God's ways. In other words, they were sowing sparingly, sparingly and they were reaping sparingly rather than sowing bountifully and reaping bountifully. It's a great picture. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. I don't know about you, but that sure sounds like no one's excluded here. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. If you can't give cheerfully, just go out and buy a pizza and celebrate or something. I mean, it's, it ain't going to get you anything if... And that's why we're not under the law here. The law is not imposing its value on you or me as to how much we should give. But you know what? According to this passage, our hearts should be imposing that value. As you view the book of Acts, they were so excited about this new relationship with Jesus, they gave everything. So they were way over the 10%. Right or wrong, that's what they did. It caused problems later. But they gave everything. I'm not, we shouldn't do that. In Santa Barbara again, we had this young guy, he got saved, he was reading through the book of Acts, new believer, on fire. He shows up one morning, he's got all of his stuff, 
car, motorcycle, uh, uh, snowboard, everything. I'm giving it all to God. No, no, no. Whoa, hold on a second. Guys were already coveting his stuff. He had cool stuff. He didn't have no Kmart, uh, Walmart stuff. All high-end stuff. He's like, no, 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 no. We're going to hold it here for two weeks, and you just go back and pray. No, no, I want to give it all to God. Yeah, I understand that, but then how are you going to get to work? Oh, um, I can take the bus. Not where you work. Oh. Two weeks later, or during that time, hey, bro, you want to go surfing? It's kicking. Uh, Yeah, I gave my surfboard to the church. What? Go get it back. Two weeks later, he came and got his stuff. What they did in Acts 2 caused problems when they gave everything. But their heart was right. God provided for them from the Gentile churches. But I don't think the Bible teaches that. Just like we didn't let that guy give all his stuff. The answer lies in what each man or what each woman purposes in their own heart without the law imposing its value on you. Now, if that's tithe for you, hey, may the Lord bless you bountifully. If it's more or less, hey, may the Lord bless you bountifully. But please, don't be a 90%er who does nothing. I mean, just look around. 10% does 90%. If that's true, that's shocking to me. It should be shocking to you. There's no blessing from God there today, and there's no treasure in heaven that awaits you tomorrow. I, I want, when, we get, when we step into heaven, I want Calvary the Chapel of the Woodlands going, wow, look at all our stuff. Not walking around going, oh, it's a little hot back there. I just barely escaped the fire. Again, you can go read about it. It's 1 Corinthians 3. Well, you know, pastor, I'd like to, but I... Uh, verse 8 answers those thoughts. Matter of fact, both of these chapters right here in Corinthians. Look what it says. And God is able. See, they were telling Paul, hey, Paul, you know, we're, yes, I know what we said we were going to do, but we're not able now. No, God is able because he's the God of his word. So test him in this. God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. God can make it happen. But it takes faith to give that Jesus might receive your gifts that you purposed in your hearts as an act of worship unto him because that's really what it is. It's an act of worship. You know, Mikey handles the calls from strangers when they call in needing help, financial help. Our first objective is spiritual. You know, where are you at spiritually? You know, once that's established, they're born again. Okay, okay, so you, want, you need some money? Okay, come in, sit down with us, bring your checkbook or, you know, whatever so we can kind of see, you know, how that's all going. None of them ever give a dime. So they spoke sparingly. They, so now they don't have any. They don't even have their rent. All of them have a cell phone and a cable bill. And when asked about giving up the cable plan to help them pay their bills, they get up and walk out. Look, you want us to help you, but look, you know, you know, why don't you sacrifice a little here? You know, now we look, that's an automatic hundred plus dollars right there, and now you're only going to be fifty dollars short. Oh, they just get up and walk out. But see, that just proves the theology of 2 Timothy chapter 3, that in the last days, men will be lovers of themselves and lovers of money. 
They just wanted to see if they could get some easy money from us. No, that ain't going to happen. But it also proves what we've covered. They sowed sparingly and they reaped it. You know, this section here in 2 Corinthians 9, very small section. But listen, you want to see the heart of giving in the, Old, in the New Testament? Read all of chapter 8 9 and try and figure out what all their excuses were. Because the, the, the epistles, Corinthians, Galatians, all of those books, those are written because Paul hears of things going on and he writes a letter back to the church. And Paul addresses all the excuses here in chapters 8 and 9. One last place to look, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Last one. Out of many. 1 Corinthians 16. Back up about 10 pages, you'd be there. Now, concerning the collection for the saints, as I've given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. Listen, I am not giving any orders here. Not. But it's interesting, however, that the verb tense that God guided Paul to use in verse 1, it's in the imperative mood, which means it is a command from God. But we're not commanding here. Because what I'm interested in is verse 2. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside. See that? Let each one of you. Storing up as you may prosper that there be no collections. There's no loophole here, team. Let each one of you lay something aside. So I'm not ordering or commanding, but I'm just pointing out that Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost that made it in the Bible is the exact same thing that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, but when you do a charitable deed, let each one of you lay something aside. There's no loopholes here. There's no room for 90 percenters. Now, you can say a 90 percenter. I'll still love you. It doesn't matter because I don't know who gives. But you know what? You're going to miss out on what God wants to do in your life today, and you're going to miss out on heaven. And honestly, I could stand here, and I could tell you stories, and you would not believe them. Because our whole life has been a a journey of faith ever since I went on staff in 1991, when when I no longer had a construction business. It's been a walk of faith. And so can others. A lot of stories could happen here. But if God's word doesn't move me, a story won't either. See, I was busted by the Holy Ghost for sliding past these things. I am not anymore. I am so clean right now. But let me tell you this. If you're busted by the Holy Ghost, do something about it. Don't do nothing. Test the Lord in these things. I can personally guarantee you with my Bible as the guarantor that God will never, ever be a debtor to you. My, my whole heart in covering this whole passage is that none of us get sucked in that black hole of living for themselves and living for money in these last days that we're in. Because it's happening in the churches. Don't sound a horn. Don't brag about it. Keep it between you and the Father. And let each one of us purpose in our own hearts what we will give and you will be blessed. And that's God's way of giving. And Father, we're thankful for your goodness and your mercy and your grace that is new every morning.